chapter 23, Gospel of Luke, chapter 23. You know, as, as a young person, uh, I, uh, I stumbled across um, a used bookstore one time, and, uh, and it had a, uh, what was deemed a religious section, and, uh, and I began to look at the books that were there, and there was a, a book that I came across that I thought was, was very interesting and, uh, and picked it up. And, and I still have that book today. And uh, the book was entitled Seven Sayings from the Cross. Seven Sayings from the Cross. As we think about it, Christ, when he was on the cross, there are seven statements that he made. And they are important statements, and they bring great value and lessons to us today in our Christian walk and as believers in those seven statements. And as I look back over them, there is one of them that I particularly want us to look at today. First, I want us to think about for just a moment the one statement that he made when he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That statement is a statement that gives us great hope. It is a statement that gives us great encouragement as believers. First, we see that that there's an opportunity for us to receive our own personal forgiveness. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. But secondly, it becomes an example for us in regards to how we forgive or how we respond to those that have mistreated us in some way or injured us in some way. So, hey, I got up and I, I didn't see, and so we're going to go ahead and let the young people slip out real quickly. And uh, I apologize for that. I, I didn't see any, any movement or motion that they were leaving, and so I thought maybe they were staying with us today. So my, my mistake on that. But we see that prayer and those words that Jesus utters And it communicates to us a hope and encouragement of forgiveness for our lives. It brings great hope to to the hearts of believers. But the second thing I want to see is tied closely to that. And and that is uh, in Luke chapter 23. I want to begin reading and just look together for, for just a moment. Beginning in verse 39. So if you have your Bibles... We've turned there to Luke chapter 23. Let's pick up in verse 39. And one of the criminals who were hanged there was hurling abuse at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other answered and rebuking him said, Do you not even fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly. For we are receiving what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he was saying, and and he was saying, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, Truly, I say to you, today you shall be with me in paradise. There's the statement. Truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Paradise. What a powerful statement for a penitent believer. Someone who who had made a statement 
and asked for the Lord to, to save his life. He said, remember me today. I know I'm receiving my just reward for what I've done. This is the penalty and this is the price that I have to pay. But if there's anything you can do, remember me. And Jesus' statement is, today you will be with me in paradise. There are three things that I want us to learn from that promise that Jesus made while the two men, three men total, but these two men, Jesus and this other criminal, were dying on the cross. The first one is this. The promise reveals that salvation is by the grace of God. This promise reveals to us that salvation is by the grace of God. These words of our Lord to an undeserving sinner paint a beautiful picture of the unmerited love of God. So, so here we see this image. Two men, one on the right, one on the left, Jesus in the center. One of them is hurling abuse. One of them is, is telling Jesus to save them, to get them down from the cross. Not eternal salvation, but, but temporary salvation. Save their life and take them down from the cross. The other, recognizing who Jesus is, recognizing the power that he possesses, recognizing the own sinfulness of his life, asks Jesus to remember him. And Jesus does that by giving him a promise. Today, you will be with me in paradise. The, the unmerited love of God. We, uh, we know John 3.16, probably one of the, if not the, one of the most memorized, quoted, used passages of Scripture in all of, of God's Word. For God so loved the world. God's unmerited love. We don't deserve it. We can't do anything to earn it. We can't pay for it, buy it, do anything to receive it. It is simply God's unmerited love for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Forgiveness is God's gift. It is free. We need to understand that. Eternal life. Is God's gift. It is free. Our sonship into the family of God is God's gift. It is free. Heaven or paradise is God's gift. It is free. We, we understand that, that God has given us a free gift through His grace. That when we receive that gift, we cannot buy it, purchase it, Earn it, deserve it. It is God's unmerited love that gives grace to our hearts and to our lives that brings forgiveness and salvation to us. I'm reminded of the illustration, I'm sure you've probably heard it before, of the individual who, who, who dies and goes to heaven. And they're standing at the gates of the kingdom of heaven and they're met there by, uh, we, we take it, St. Peter. And St. Peter says, well... Uh, I, I see you here, and, and he says, what have you done that would deserve for me to let you into heaven? The guy begins to think for a moment. He says, well, he said, I, I've done a lot of things in my life. 
He said, one of the things he said, I went to church every Sunday. I never missed. He said, when I was younger, I had a, a, a string of perfect attendance pins that would reach down to your knees. He said, man, I was always in church. Peter says, that's great. He said, that earns you 10,000 points. 10,000 points. Wow, that's pretty good. Then Peter says, well, what else have you done? He said, well, let's see. He said, I, I, I read my Bible and prayed every day. Every day I would read Scripture and, and I would pray every single day. And Peter says, man, that's good, 10,000 points. Wow. He said, that's pretty awesome. He said, man, another 10,000 points. He said, hey, listen, I tell you what else. He said, I taught a Sunday school class. For many years I taught a Sunday school class. Peter says, man, that's fantastic, teaching God's Word to others. He said, that's 20,000 points. Whoo, 20,000 points, man. He says, I, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. He says, hey, listen, he said, is, is that enough to get into heaven? Peter says, well, no. He says, what else have you done? He said, well, let me, let me think about that, man. Hey, listen, he said, I sang in the choir and also in the praise band. Well, that's good. He said, serving the Lord, using your talents for Him. He said, that's another 10,000 points. Wow. He said, all right. He said, what else? Oh, listen, since I was young, my parents taught me I tithe off of every penny I ever earned in my life. I gave 10% to the Lord, to the church, to His work. Wow, that's fantastic. He said, another 10,000 points. On and on the conversation goes. And lift up. Hey, I went on a mission trip and helped build a school for, for underprivileged children in a third world country. He said, you know, all of these things that I've done. And he said, is, is that enough? To get into heaven? St. Peter says no. And he says, well, well he said, that's about 100,000 points. He said, he said, those are all the big things I've done in my life. And that, that's about 100,000 points. He said, there's not a lot of other things. He said, how many points does it take to get into heaven? St. Peter says it takes 10 million points to get into heaven. Kai lowered his eyes and lowered his head. And he thought, oh, man. He said, I'm at 100,000. It takes 10 million. And he said, there aren't any other big things in my life. He said, listen, only by the grace of God could you ever get 10 million points. Peter said, you're exactly right. Enter in, the good and faithful servant. Only by the grace of God. Only by His grace. Not, nothing that we have done, nothing that we could ever do, earns or deserves us the privilege to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Ephesians Chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Listen to what he says. And that not of yourselves. Nothing I've done deserves the grace that God has given me. It is a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast for we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. We are saved by the grace of God. And this statement on the cross, from Jesus to this penitent thief, this criminal who was being uh, crucified beside Him, He said, Today, would you remember Me when you get to your kingdom? And Jesus said, Today, you will be with me in paradise. It is His grace. Here's what you want to understand. This guy did not have time to do anything in his life to earn the kingdom of heaven. 
He didn't have time to sing in the choir. He didn't have time to teach a Sunday school class. He didn't have time to read his Bible or or, or to pray daily. He didn't have time to tithe. He was dying on the cross. And he asked for Jesus to remember him. And Jesus said, by my grace, today you will be with me in paradise. We must understand and we must be encouraged and we must have hope to know that in Christ we receive grace that brings salvation to our life and there is nothing that we can do to earn or deserve that. It is a free gift of God. All we have to do is receive it. All we have to do is accept it freely from Him. Second thing that I want to see today is this. The promise reveals how God answers the prayer of a sincere sinner. It reveals how he answers the prayer of a sincere sinner. This sinner, unlike the other, recognized his own sin. He recognized his responsibility for it as well as the righteousness of the Lord. He looks at the other criminal who's being crucified and he says, Listen, do you not even fear God? He says, I recognize we're here, we're dying because justly. We we deserve this because of what we've done in our lives and the crimes that we've committed. But he says, this man has done nothing wrong. So he recognizes the righteousness of Christ. He recognizes that he's the Son of God. But he also recognizes his own sin and his own responsibility. Our world today is so caught up in the idea or has bought into this idea of the blame game. Everything that is wrong in my life, every sin in my life, uh, everything that I've done that is unacceptable in life is somebody else's fault. Listen, it's my mom and dad. It's the way they raised me and the things they taught me and the way they treated me. That's the the reason I'm the way I am and I do the things that I do. We use the blame game, oh, oh, it's the environment in which I live. It's the people around me and, and the people that I associate with. It's the environment that causes me to be the way that I am and to do the things that I do. It's the past of others. It's the present of this cancel culture in which we live. It's always someone else's fault. Somebody else has caused this in my life, and we don't want to take responsibility for ourselves. And the fact of the matter is, this criminal on the cross took responsibility for his sins. He said, we're here because we deserve to be here. We're here because of our criminal past and the things that we've done. It ain't anybody else's fault. It certainly isn't Jesus' fault, is what he was saying to the other criminal. He said, do you not even fear God? Why in the world would you be saying these things? We deserve to be here. He recognized the sinfulness of his life. But this guy has done nothing. He doesn't deserve to be here. There isn't anything in his life that that would cause him to be on this cross. Yet here you and I are because we deserve it. He recognized responsibility for his own life. For his own sins. But he also recognized the righteousness of God. And he asked that he might receive help. That, that Jesus might remember him in some way as he comes into his kingdom. We need to be willing to take responsibility for our own lives. We need to be willing to take responsibility for our own sins, for our own past, for our own mistakes. 
We need to be willing to, to recognize and realize the righteousness of God and say, listen, it ain't anybody else's fault. It's the choice that I make. It's the decisions that I make. It's the things that I've done in my life. And, and in relationship to that, we begin to understand that if we will call out to the Lord, He will answer our prayer. If we are a sincere sinner that is seeking God's love and grace and mercy and forgiveness, He will respond to that. Here's a sinner on the cross. He's just like you and I. There is sin in his life. Uh, he has a, a criminal background and a history. And, and he's on the cross and he's dying and he looks at Jesus and he says, Will you remember me? That's a prayer. That's a call out to the Lord to do something about the sinfulness in his life. And Jesus responds. Jesus answers that prayer and that call that he gives to him. And he says what? Here's the answer. Today, you will be with me in paradise. That brings us hope. That brings us encouragement. That, that gives us a faith to know that Jesus is listening to, to the call that we give in our life. And he is responding to the prayer to meet our need and so we can be encouraged by this passage of Scripture. We can have hope from this passage of Scripture to know that He listens to the prayers of a sincere sinner. And He responds to those. That He's, he's not too busy. Think about it for just a moment. What was going on in Jesus' life? Jesus was dying on a cross for the sins of the world. I don't know about you, but that seems pretty busy. That seems like there's a huge weight and responsibility on him at that moment in time. There is a lot going on emotionally, mentally, physically in the life of Jesus. I mean, if ever there was a time for somebody to say, listen, you're getting the just reward for the crimes of your life. I don't have time for you right now. I'm dealing with the sins of the whole world. I'm dealing with, with the responsibility of saving generations and generations of people because of their sinfulness. I don't have time for one individual person right now. Jesus didn't say that. Jesus had time for one sincere sinner. And He has time for you. And He has time for me. He has time to listen. Sometimes we think, man, there's so many things going on in the world today. So, so many difficult things and bad things and challenging things and so many evil things and, and, and sinful things that are going on in the world today that, that God must be so busy with those things. He doesn't have time for one little person like me. He doesn't have time to listen to my problems, my complaints. They're nothing compared to those things. Listen, He has time for you. He cares for you. He loves you. He desires to hear from you. He wants to listen to your prayer. He wants to listen to your call. He wants to answer your prayer and to meet the needs of your life. It's His desire to do that. And so don't ever get caught up in the idea that I'm just one little old person. I don't matter to God. Every single life matters to God. And I believe, according to my understanding of God's Word, if you or I had been the only person who needed to be saved in this world, God would have still sent Jesus, and Jesus still would have died for just my sins, for just your sins. That's how important we are to Him. And He listens, and He responds to the call of a sincere sinner who's looking for His help, who's looking for His hope, who's looking for His forgiveness and grace and mercy. 
Third and final thing is this. The promise reveals encouragement and hope for all sinners. Encouragement and hope for all sinners. I have always found it interesting that there were two men on those crosses, one on each side of Jesus. Both of them were were relatively the same distance from him or the same nearness to him. Both of them had witnessed all of the same experiences that, that had happened with Jesus and nailing him to the cross, the call for forgiveness that he had already offered. They both were there. They both heard. They both listened. They both saw the things that were taking place. All of those things, uh, they had experienced all of these events of the crucifixion. But yet, their response was so different. One, hurling abuse at Jesus just like the people that had gathered around the cross. One who cried out to him and said, if you really are who you say you are, then save yourself and us. Do you hear what he just said? It's the blame game. He was blaming Jesus for still being on the cross. He didn't, didn't say, oh, I never sinned. He knew he'd sinned. He knew he was wrong. But he said, if you really are who you say you are, save yourself and save us. Get us off of this cross. So, Jesus, it's your fault that I'm still here. It's your fault that I'm dying on this cross. It's your fault that I'm not down from here and saved from here because if you are who you say you are, then take care of it for me. Right? He had an attitude that said, I deserve something. Will you give it to me? The other was very humble. The other looked at that criminal and said, Are you out of your mind? Okay, he didn't exactly say that, but that's kind of a loose translation. But he said... Do you not even fear God? What is wrong with you? What, what, what would cause you to say, have you not seen the same thing that I've seen? Have you not witnessed the same things that I've witnessed? We deserve to be here, but this man has done nothing wrong. And so two completely different reactions to the same events, to the same exposure and nearness to Jesus. Folks, we need to understand that that is an image of the world in which we live. There are people who who are exposed to Jesus, who are exposed to His teachings, who hear His Word, who, who, who have had every opportunity to receive His grace and mercy and His forgiveness. And yet they choose not to. They choose to ignore it, or they might choose to make fun of it and mock it, they might choose to turn completely the other way and, and seek their, their solace or their comfort or their hope in, in demons and the devil. They do all kinds of things, but the fact of the matter is they deny and turn their back on Christ and His offer for forgiveness and grace and mercy. And then there are people who hear the message of God's grace who hear the message of His forgiveness and His mercy, and they respond with a repentant heart and a desire to receive what He is offering. What's the difference? Why was one of these men so belligerent and angry and accusatory of Jesus? Why was the other so humble, so understanding of, of His plight and Jesus' plight? 
and the difference between the two. That's the world in which we live. It's the choices that we make in understanding and recognizing that, that He offers to us His grace. He offers to us His mercy and His forgiveness. And God's Word tells us that His grace is sufficient for even me. His grace is enough for even me and my sinful life. And so I look at these two individuals. One, it's very evident, waited too long. Waited until he was dying, waited until Jesus was dying, and he never changed his heart to receive God's grace. The other waited till it was almost too late. But he did respond, and he did ask, and he did seek, and he did receive. Today, you will be with me in paradise. His hope came in the closing moments of his life. And so the question I have for you today is, is what about you? Where's your hope? Is your hope already firm? Is your hope already found? Is your encouragement and, and your hope for eternity in the kingdom of heaven, is it sure? Do you possess it? Does it belong to you as a gift that God has given you? Have you waited too late? Have you waited almost too late? Is there a decision that you need to make that you need to say, I need this grace. I, it's sufficient. It's enough for me. I need this forgiveness in my life. And so this morning, we're going to offer an invitation here. And I know most everyone that's here is here very regularly, very faithfully. And I know that, that maybe most of us have at some point in our life acknowledged and accepted the grace and mercy and forgiveness of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But perhaps there's someone here today who looks at their life and goes, you know what? I haven't been living like I should. I've been playing the blame game on a lot of people, including the Lord, about things in my life. It's your fault that this happened. It's, it's your fault that this is, has occurred in my life. And today's the day that I want to do away with that. I want to stop playing games with the Lord, especially the blame game. And I want, want to know for certain that I am secure in my faith and my relationship with Him. I want to be confident that His grace and mercy and forgiveness is sufficient and has covered my life. And the blood of Christ has washed me and made me whole. And so today, I just want to recommit. I want to rededicate. I want to find a, a new faithfulness. New, I want to have the experience that that criminal on the cross had. And hear with confidence the encouragement, the hope that I will spend eternity in the kingdom of heaven in paradise with my Lord.